We're going to continue reading and studying 1 Samuel for a few weeks, uh, but leading up to the Christmas season. This morning we're going to see the sovereignty of God in good circumstances. Uh, last week in 1 Samuel, we got the very big picture of the mess of the nation of Israel. The big picture. Politically, they were a mess. Theologically, they were a mess. Spiritually, they were a mess. And all this terrible stuff was happening, and we're told, because there was no king in the land to rule over the people. Uh, we see there that, that individual people need a king. And so we saw the big mess. We saw the, the small mess of this family and all the various circumstances that come out of that. And ultimately, we were given the picture of this woman, Hannah, uh, who of all the women in the scripture had uh, perhaps more faith uh, and is an example of faith to us uh, in that she was able to trust in the Lord uh, in the midst of very difficult circumstances. Um, We saw her very significant faith. And so for us, it's not as though we need to then go look at Hannah and say, Hannah's, Hannah's the point of this story. Hannah, is the, um, she's the highlight because it's not. If we, if we were to do that, we would miss the point of the text. And the point of the text is not to point us to Hannah, but to point us to the one that Hannah had faith in. The object of her faith was Yahweh, who gives everything that we need, everything that we want, and ultimately gives himself to his people. So we were pointed last week to faith in God, not faith in Hannah, not faith in who she is, but faith in the one uh, that she put her faith in, and that is Yahweh himself. Um, That's an important distinction for us to make during Reformation uh, as we talk about these things. And and one of the most significant uh, things that came out of the Reformation was a way to understand the scriptures. Um, There was a tendency prior to the Reformation to read the Bible Uh, as an allegory of faith or an allegory. Uh, And essentially what would happen is you would read the stories of the scripture, if you were able to read, and you would put yourself in those stories. And so you would become the point of the story. One of the great things that came out of the Reformation was that uh, it rightfully put Christ at the very center of the interpretation of the scripture. Uh, When Jesus came and lived among his people at various places, he said that all of the scriptures are about him, And so we need to be reminded that even in this passage, in 1 Samuel chapter 1, uh, it's about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about us. It's not about what we do. It's about him and what he has done for us. So this morning, I'm going to read this to us, and we're going to see Hannah's response to God in the midst of some good circumstances, and we're going to see what the Lord does here in this story. Let's read. I'm going to start at verse 20 of 1 Samuel chapter 1. Hear God's good and kind word this morning. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. The man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, As soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him, so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord. And may dwell there forever. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine. 
And she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull and they brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who is standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed. And the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. Let's pray and ask the Lord's help in understanding this passage. Pray with me. Our Father, we thank you again for this passage. We thank you for the way that it reveals Hannah's heart's desire. And Lord, it also reveals our heart's desire. Pray that you would help us in understanding this word, that we would see the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ through it, that you would not cause us to look at this and put ourselves in the story, but that we would put the Lord Jesus Christ in his rightful place at the very center, that you would reveal yourself to us more and more through uh, even this wonderful story of a woman in good circumstances. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen. Uh, there's a couple things happening in this passage. Uh, we see, uh, first of all, uh, the Lord gives, and that's in the very first part of chapter, uh, uh, verse 20, 20a. Uh, very short section, so that's the first point, the Lord gives. Secondly, we're going to see what Hannah then gives in response to the Lord. That's 20b to 28a. And then we're going to see what Samuel gives. There's a lot of giving in this passage. So the Lord gives, Hannah gives, and then Samuel is going to give. So first of all, the Lord gives in verse 20a. What do I mean when I say 20a? It's just the very first part of verse 20. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. Um, And that's it. That's the first thing. Uh, So what do we see from this? We see that the Lord gives in verse 19. The very end of 19, we were left on a cliffhanger last week. And the Lord remembered her. Hannah had not yet received... Uh, the thing that she prayed for, she prayed for a son. And yet she walked away with renewed faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. In his goodness, she was satisfied with God. And so she was able to then go about and do the things and respond to the Lord in faith, having not yet received what she had asked for. And we're told that the Lord then remembered Hannah. Remember the big picture that people need a king. So we're asking ourselves, where is the king going to come from? And the little picture, Hannah's distress of all of the things that are happening in the mess of her life. Well, I want you to see this, that Yahweh, the God of the Bible, the God who created the heavens and the earth, Yahweh that means I am and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and all of the great things that his name means is concerned for the big picture. Who is the king going to be? How are my people going to be saved? How are my people going to come to worship me? The big picture and the little picture of Hannah. This woman, this insignificant woman in this faraway, middle of nowhere place. God is concerned about both of those things. He's concerned for the big picture and the little picture. What does that do for us? Well, it's a good reminder to us that in the midst of of all of the things that are happening in our lives, the big picture things, when you turn on Fox News or CNN and you see all the very scary things that are happening in the world, 
uh, Ebola is bearing down on us and we're going to be overtaken and we're all going to turn into zombies. And then you flip over to The Walking Dead and you see the results of, of that. We're all going to be zombies and we have to survive. And we go into survivalism mode and yet in that show The Walking Dead, God never shows up anywhere in that. We're reminded here that regardless of the big picture things that are happening with Ebola or even with the elections that are coming up, even who, whoever is president in 2016, um, Whatever happens in the world, God is concerned for the big picture. And in the midst of our daily lives, from our waking up to our lying down, in the midst of all of the stuff that happens in our family, that Yahweh is concerned about those things as well. Good news to us. I'm amazed by people who can live their lives outside of understanding and believing in the sovereignty of God. There are actually Christians who say that God is not sovereign over the events of the world. And he is not concerned about the things that happen in our daily lives. You hear this expressed in people's prayers. Uh, Sometimes you'll see this, and I I don't ever hear people talk this way, but in movies um, they'll say it, or TV shows, Lord, I I don't come to you very often, um, and I hope you have time to answer my prayer. Well, that says a lot about what the world believes about God. That God ultimately isn't concerned, and ultimately that God is not sovereign. But we believe in a sovereign God. We hope in a sovereign God who cares about the little things in our lives. That's good news to us, that we have a Father who cares for us, just like Hannah did here. And so the Lord gives. What does the Lord give to Hannah? Well, the good news for her, he answers her prayer. God always answers our prayers. Oftentimes our prayers are answered with a hearty no. Sometimes our prayers are answered with a tepid maybe, or wait, but then sometimes in God's grace he answers yes. And so we see here a picture Hannah had prayed for a son. She was very specific in her prayer. She said, Lord, give me a male heir, and that's what he gave, a male heir. Now, when did he give her this son? If you read in your text there at verse 20, mine says this, and in due time. Okay, what is due time? How long is due time? Well, very natural reading of the text would maybe suggest that by the next year, uh, but that's not, in fact, what we're told. We have no idea. In due time could be the next year. It could have been 20 years after Hannah prayed before the Lord at the temple. And in due time, the Lord answered this prayer. God answered yes in his time when he wanted it to. And what did she, how did he answer it? He answered with a son. I want you to see this in Hannah's distress. Part of her distress was the problem of being a woman in this culture without a child to give to her uh, husband a male heir that would be the inheritance and would receive the inheritance that Elkanah had. So for her, she would be Um, Even though Elkanah loved her and provided for her and gave her a double measure and all of these things, she would have been marginalized by society, and even in her own family she was marginalized. The Lord gave to her a male son, so what does this do for her? Because she was more than likely the first wife of Elkanah, she immediately had the favored position in the family. She went from being the last to the first, and her son would be the one that received all of the inheritance. 
so Penina and all the things that we saw with her last week and all that stuff that was happening. You know, sometimes you, you run across people like old Miss fans and they're just talking real bad about you. And then all of a sudden you pull out a win and you just think, oh my goodness, I can rub it in their faces. Well, that's something about what Hannah is experiencing, except it's so much better than an LSU win in a football game because these are things that really matter in life. And Hannah then is taken from a position, a lowly position, and she goes to the very top. She would have been favored. Penina would have had to shut her mouth before Hannah. And there's a variety of things that could have happened to them in that situation. But Hannah went from the last to the first. Great principle for us. Um, great principles that the Lord Jesus Christ talks about all over the place. When he says in his kingdom, the first will be last and the last will be first. Hannah was humbled. And through her humility, she was made strong. Great news to us. And so we rejoice with Hannah when she received a son. Just like we're going to start studying in, in, at the Christmas season. Uh, the, um, the, the proclamation of the Lord Jesus Christ coming. Great news of great joy is being given. And the Lord continues to give good things to us. He gave good things to Hannah. And he continues to give good things to us. Even as we go through bad circumstances, we have good circumstances as well. So the Lord gives, and it's good news for Hannah. But that's not where the story stops. It's not as though Hannah gets what she wants and then the story ends. It, it continues. And actually, this is just the very first part of the story. And so the next part, we're going to see how Hannah responds. Now, after LSU won last night, I was very tempted to then gloat over that wonderful victory that I had everything to do with, to all my friends who were Ole Miss fans, um, that's the natural tendency of our sinful heart is to gloat. <laughs> and Hannah, that would be her response as well. Her natural tendency would be to lord over everyone. Look at what I have. So now we get to turn and see what Hannah's response is. In verses 20a to 28a, Hannah's response to what the Lord has done. Here's what we need to learn from this. Hannah does not respond the way that many LSU fans, or whatever fan you are after your team won last night, Hannah does not respond that way. She responds in humility. So even through good circumstances, it reveals her heart. What does Hannah do? She gives two things. First of all, she's going to give to Samuel, and then she's going to give to the Lord. So the first thing that Hannah gives uh, to Samuel uh, and actually, in this, she gives two things to Samuel. First of all, she gives Hannah, uh, Samuel a name. Uh, she bore a son, and she called his name Samuel. For she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. Now, it seems like a little thing, not a significant thing for us to give, uh, for her to give a name. That's what you're supposed to do. You have a child, and you give them a name. Uh, if you've had children, you know what that process is like, and you have to have this long discussion about what the name of the child is going to be. You, you don't want to name them the wrong thing, like Kelly, because then they're going to be made fun of the rest of their life. Um, so you, you want to make sure you have the right name and you give them the right name. Uh, and oftentimes we give our children the name of the father or, or the mother or, or that sort of thing. We try to memorialize our family with the name that's given. And I think it's interesting here that Hannah gives Samuel the name that she does. The, the name Samuel uh, is probably uh, the word Shem from the Hebrew. And the word Shem just means name. And then it combines El, and the word El just means God. Uh, you combine these things together, and the name uh, essentially means uh, the name of God. The name of God. Uh, 
that is significant for us because Hannah doesn't give Samuel any uh, family name or anything like that. In Samuel, uh, with his name, it, it almost operates like a question. Like, what is God's name? Who is God? And so even by giving him this name, she is doing a work of evangelism. So that every time you met Samuel, if you lived in this day, you would save his name and you would have to ask yourself, what is God's name? Well, we know by God's revelation to us in the book of Samuel, but then all through the Old Testament, that God's name is Yahweh. And whenever you met Samuel and you said, God, what is God's name? Samuel would respond, his name is Yahweh. Do you know him? Have you met him? Do you worship the one true God? So Hannah gives to Samuel a name that would point to the glory of the Lord. It's not a name that says, look at how great I am. It's a name that says, look at how great Yahweh is. And then, secondly, to Samuel, she gives something else. She gives herself to Samuel. Um, Through the text, I won't go back and read it, uh, but you see there this little interchange that happens. She has a child, and it's time for them to go up um, to uh, this place, to Shiloh, to worship to the Lord, uh, to worship the Lord where where, uh, the tabernacle is kept. Uh, From where they lived to the tabernacle, it was probably about a 30-mile trip. Not a terribly long trip, but it would have been hard. Um, But they did it regularly, and so they were used to it. Uh, Elkanah says, let's go up and worship the Lord. And what does Hannah say? Hannah says, no, I'm going to keep this baby to myself. It's mine, right? That's what she says. No, that's not what she says. She says, I'm going to wait until the child is weaned. Um, Well, again, we don't know how long that is necessarily, but uh, we do know uh, through various things in history that Jewish women in this day, uh, it took three years for them to uh, wean a child. Uh, So more than likely, it was three years in this process. For three years, Hannah kept Samuel and gave herself to him. Um, And so she, uh, and yeah, so she gives herself to Samuel. Uh, So what happens in the midst of that three years? Well, children from the time uh, they're babies to the time they're three years old, you can't do much with them, right? They're pretty much useless, right? Mothers, you can, you know that. They they can't do anything, okay? Okay. That is not true at all. Anybody that knows children um, and knows how they operate understand that is significant time for children. It is vital for them. So for three years, Hannah has given him a name. And what is this mother doing? She is teaching him about what it means to serve and worship the Lord. What a great ministry she has and she gives uh, to Samuel. That's also important because she understood what she was doing, and when she said, I'm going to give him to the Lord, she's going to bring him to the temple, or the tabernacle. Who served there? Eli and Hophni. As we're going to find out in, in a few chapters, Eli and Hophni are terrible people. And she's going to give Samuel to Eli and Hophni. And what's going to happen? Well, she takes time over those three years to teach him, to raise him up in the, in the discipline of the Lord. All right, so we see that she's preparing him for service. So she gives to Samuel. Uh, Secondly, we see that that Hannah gives to the Lord in verses 24 through 28. Uh, Hannah's giving to the Lord. After three years of weaning and teaching and training uh, Samuel, she finally is ready to go up and give him over to the Lord. She made a vow to him to give him to the Lord. Uh, This was a very unusual vow, um, but she is going to fulfill that vow. And so she goes up with him in verse 24. When she had weaned him, she took him up with her along with a three-year-old bull 
Um, next to, to that little section in your Bible, you're going to have a note that points you down to the bottom. And it's going to say it wasn't a three-year-old bull. It was actually three bulls. Um, and uh, I actually think that's a better uh, uh, interpretation here, that it wasn't a three-year-old bull, but it was actually three bulls that she brought. There's a variety of reasons for that. Let me just point you to something else. When it says she brought the flour and she brought uh, the wine, she actually brought three times the amount that was required for the sacrifice. So here's what's happening. She's going up to offer the sacrifice to the Lord, and she brings three times the required amount. She brings three bulls, uh, three times the amount of flour, and three times the amount of wine. What is her response to the Lord? The Lord has given, and she is so overjoyed with the Lord's gift to her that she responds by giving three times what is expected. It's a response of faith from Hannah and from her family. So she gives that in a form of worship to the Lord, but then also, what does she do? She gives her son over to the Lord. So in verse uh, 26, and she said, Oh, my Lord, I'm going to read this a little bit different than I read it before. Oh, my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who is standing here in your presence praying to Yahweh. For this child I prayed, and Yahweh has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to Yahweh. As long as he lives, he is lent to Yahweh. Uh, So we see that Hannah, out of response to the Lord and his gift, she even gives her son to God. Now, this is what we are all expected to do with our lives. That in response to what God has given to us, what does he expect? He expects the very thing that he's given to us for us to give it over to him. Uh, This is a vivid picture of her faith in God that he has given her this son. uh, And she doesn't consider this something that's too too great for her to give up. And she says, the Lord is more precious to me than my son. And so she gives back to the Lord what the Lord had given to her. And she delights to do it. She delights to do it. So what about you? Um, You parents, if you have children, did you delight to give your child to the Lord? That's what's expected for us. If you go back and read the Old Testament, actually, Every firstborn male of the, uh, uh, of the children of Israel were required to be given over to the Lord. Did you know that? Exodus chapter 13, go and read it. God says, I demand your firstborn male child to be given over to me. That's the expectation. But it's not just that. You know, all of our children are a gift from the Lord. You are expected of the Lord to give them back over to him in trust and faith. Have you done that? It doesn't matter if you have little children or older children. Have you given your children to the Lord? Have you given your grandchildren to the Lord? You say, Lord, I trust you with them. I trust you with what you're doing in their life. Have you given them over? What about your finances? What about your family? What about your job? All of the things in your life, have you given that over to the Lord as Hannah has done here? So we saw that Yahweh gives and then Hannah gives Finally, very quickly, we see that Samuel gives to the Lord the very end of verse 28, and he worshiped the Lord there. What did Samuel receive from Yahweh? What has he received at this point? Well, he's three years old. Okay, at three years old, I was an exceptional child. Um, None of you knew me at three, but I was really incredible. Um, I saw a penny on the ground. My sister was pushing me in a stroller at three years old, and I saw this penny, and I dove for this penny and tried to pick it up with my mouth, apparently, and I knocked out my front teeth, 
So from the time I was three to seven, I didn't have front teeth. That's the kind of child I was at three. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't exceptional, that's the point. But here is Samuel at three, worshiping the Lord, because he understood that he had received life from Yahweh at three. Not only that, Samuel received knowledge of the Lord from Hannah. Uh, so here, we, again, we see him worshiping children, a child worshiping God. What do you expect of your children? Samuel worshiped. Can your children not worship the Lord at their young ages? So we see Samuel giving back because of what he had received. What about the big picture and the little picture? Well, here we see, uh, we've been seeing that the people need a king. They need someone to follow. Um, and what do they get? At the end of Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 1, they get a toddler. Can you imagine? I just picture this. Hannah saying to Eli, I prayed for this child and I'm giving him a three-year-old to you. And Eli looking at the three-year-old going, what am I going to do with this three-year-old? Uh, this is God's sense of humor, I think. The people need a king and they get a toddler. And this is good news to us that God delights to work in the midst of difficult circumstances and hard things and even in the midst of toddlers to bring about his salvation. And what about the little picture? Well, Hannah wanted a godly son, and here she received Samuel. The good news, God is at work to bring about his purposes in all of history. Samuel is a picture to us of ultimately the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Samuel is going to lead the people and guide the people, but what becomes clear throughout the book is that Samuel isn't enough. They need someone better. And God is reminding his people and reminding us through this that Samuel wasn't the final king who was going to come. Not even David could be the final king. We needed someone better than both of them. And by God's grace, we received the Lord Jesus Christ, God himself who came down to live among his people, live perfectly for us, who died on the cross for our sins. He did things for us that Samuel couldn't do, that David couldn't do. God provided the king for the people. What does that do to your heart? Hannah responded out of his, out of her faith to God to give back to God. What about your heart? What is the good times? What do the good times reveal about your heart? And what has Yahweh given to you? And what can you give back to him? Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for this great reminder to us that you give to your people. I pray that we would be a people who give back to you, not because it earns us our salvation, but out of hearts that delight to give to you, our God, who gives to us so richly. We thank you for calling your people your sons, your heirs. And I pray, Lord, that we would be pleased and satisfied with the Lord Jesus Christ and him only. We pray this in Christ's name.